Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and let's get started. Welcome, and we've got a privilege this morning to talk with one of my longest term and best friends. He lives in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina, Kernersville, Winston-Salem, that uh, triad area up there, and he is a man of steel when it comes to facing life. He's one of my personal heroes in his faith, his consistency, his creativity, and his ability to handle whatever life throws at him and come up with solutions, get himself back on his feet, and moving forward, not just kind of surviving, but moving forward with power and energy, and there's just so much to learn from him. I'd like to welcome John Lennon, and it's not the Beatle, it's uh, what I call the real John Lennon from North Carolina. John Lennon, welcome, John. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate the opportunity to share this morning and talk and conversate. Uh, every time we talk about the uh, the Beatle, John Lennon, I think about that flight we were on to uh, uh, where was that uh, Monte Carlo or someplace, and you had uh, you had Ringo Starr sitting up in the first class cabin, and you were joking right. about the Lin the John Lennon thing, and uh, uh, I know that comes up all the time with you, but uh, John. Uh, let people know where you're from. You've had such an extraordinary life centered around North Carolina from the rural area, moving up to the college environment in Greensboro, and then building an entrepreneurial business of your own, and then also uh, being able to duplicate and reproduce your success uh, inside your own business but also uh, starting an entrepreneurial school at uh, uh, the university up there. So I'm going to let you kind of introduce yourself and, and, and run through those things with, with everybody. As you said earlier, I'm originally from the great state of North Carolina. Pretty much have lived my entire adult life and my whole entire life, as a matter of fact, in North Carolina. I grew up in the eastern part of North Carolina and uh, – Obviously, after growing up in the eastern part of North Carolina, it was sort of decided, that, along with some of my input, but my parents, they really believed in, in, in getting an additional education over above high school. So I ended up in Greensboro, North Carolina, at North Carolina ANT State University, where I actually went to college at and majored in uh, business. But obviously, before that, you know, I think one of the things I learned growing up in eastern North Carolina my father was in business, but he didn't really call it a business, but it was a business that I understood later on. He was a farmer. And the thing that I learned from him in that experience was that I didn't realize I was learning. He always talked about what matters. In other words, what is it that really matters in terms of what it is that we have to get done in order to accomplish what we have to accomplish? And he was really strong with that in terms of what we had to do on a day-to-day -day basis. So it's sort of like he kept us organized in terms of the things that we had to do to prepare for the next day because he always talked about the seasons. He always used to say, this is a season. 
and he would put his hands up in the air <laughs> and he would say, this is where the season begins and this is where the season ends. And between those two points, we got to get it. And uh, I kind of grew up with that kind of attitude. Not really, you know, a lot of times when you're growing up, you don't really realize how much you're learning from your parents. But, you know, you do be able to, you learn a lot from them that you don't even realize you learn until you uh, have an opportunity to experience it in another part of your life. And so, obviously, from there, I went to school at North Carolina NC State University. was successful with that. And as a result of that, I remained in the Greensboro, North Carolina area. Uh, eventually, I got married and had a family and all of those things. But during that course of time, Larry, not really knowing what I was going to do with it and not even really knowing I was doing it, I really built a great friendship network of people that I actually knew in the Greensboro, North Carolina area, which in essence, I think, helped prepare me from a network point of view, from a people point of view, to ultimately become the entrepreneur and the business person that I ultimately became as far as A.O. Williams and Prime Record was concerned. So again, I'm from North Carolina. Grew up with my mother and father there, one sister, and uh, ended up in Greensboro. And this is where I ended up. This is where I spent my business life at, my personal life, my family life at. And what was that story you used to tell me about? It? Your your father would would say every time you you went to town. <laughs> yeah, my, my father had a saying. He, he used to say, "Listen, we have to make money on the way to town." We have to make money on the, in town, and we have to make money on the way back from town. We lived out in a rural area, out in the country on a farm, and he had a truck. And every Saturday, we would go to the little local town. And on the way to town, we were picking up things from individuals, that families that they threw away, and he would pick it up. He had a process, and a, a person he knew in the city, and he would sell it, and they would recycle it. While we were in the city, we sold stuff. We sold vegetables and watermelons and chickens and all kinds of stuff. And then on the way back from town, we had he was dropping off clothes. He had a, had a dry cleaning business, well, a business where he just distributed and picked up people's clothes and took them to the city, got them clean, and he made some kind of markup on it. So his concept was that we have to make money on the way to town, in town, and on the way back from town. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's you know, it just shows what you put in your mind is going to drive what you actually do and so where most people are just going to town and driving back he had a he had a purpose the importance of a purpose uh right he doesn't have a purpose he's a purpose driven <laughs> i always thought that was uh that wise you know that was always smart and so uh john when you uh started where did you start you know you feel like you know, it's a big move because it's one I went through myself, you know, with uh, uh, moving from high school up in the Hamptons, up in uh, West Hampton Beach, uh, all moved down to Atlanta, Georgia, flew down to Atlanta, Georgia, went on Georgia Tech campus. And I swear uh, when I, I did that, that was the first time in my conscious adult life, I'd actually set eyes on what I knew was a university. You know, I'd driven by, I, you know, you and I have talked about this. In my, in my family, we not only didn't go to college, we didn't drive by colleges, you know. <laughs> or if we drove by it, we, we didn't realize what we were driving by. But when I went and left home, and went to college, that was a big thing, launching out on my own, traumatic, you know, a lot of 
freshmen around the country going through that go through it every year, and a lot of them don't survive it. Like salmon swimming upstream, uh, you know, it's the first time they've swum up that river. You know, that's their their homing thing. With a lot of them don't make it. A lot of them don't make it past those first barriers. They've got to jump and everything. There's there's barriers you have to jump, like sw- salmon swimming upstream when you go and launch out in a new business and a, a new educational experience that. You know, you've never done, maybe your family's done it, but you've never done it. And uh, uh, as you got out on your own, that had to be a big jump, John, for you to go from eastern North Carolina. Because most people don't realize how wide North Carolina and Tennessee are. They're like 700 miles wide from tip to tip. And uh, that's a long way. That's hundreds and hundreds of miles. And so... uh, how we, and, and as far as you know the the farming rural environment up to uh, a a pretty good sized city environment up there in Greensboro what uh, what kind of shock was it and what kind of adjustments uh, did you go through right there? Well, Larry, I think it was kind of twofold. I think the adjustment I had to make obviously was when I left. Eastern North Carolina and came to Greensboro, North Carolina. That was the first time at age 18 that I was out on my own as an individual to make decisions and stuff on myself, for myself. But it was sort of like I was groomed or preparing my entire life that I didn't know I was going to be a business person. Even though I grew up around business, I I now call it business. But actually, my father called. He said he was a farmer. He never said he was a business person. But yet he was a business person because that's the way he made money through producing product and selling product at the market and doing different kinds of things. But I I sort of always knew that I was probably going to go to college because education was taught a lot about in my family. My mother was a teacher, and my daddy had gone to North Carolina A&T also and played football previous to me. And he had 13 brothers and sisters, and all of them had finished college except one. And my mother had four brothers and sisters. Two of them had finished college. So it was it was, it was a thing that was taught to me that I was going to go to college. Now the thing that the thing that happened was, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with the college education. I think that's when I began to become torn about what I really wanted to do in life. I began to understand while I was in college preparing me to get an education. And at that time, preparing to get a job. Because that's what we were taught, that you be a good person and you get some education and you get a job. But it began to bother me that I was going to have to go get a job. Because I was always doing something that I learned from my father. Not that I really had to, but it was just something in me. I mean, I did things when I was on campus that I didn't have to do. I started a, a stocking business, for example, selling stockings at the time young ladies and I had different partners in different dormitories. Then I had a, from my father, I had a dry cleaning business on campus because at that time, the students got the clothes cleaned. And then finally, I had a lawn mowing business. But I, it, it was just something in me to cause me, I think from my farming background, seeing what my father did, it caused me to actually start those type businesses, which I called them businesses. They were really just a little hustle, but I was making money. So by the time there I finished college, I had a job with Western Electric. They were going to pay me $600 a month back in 1967, 68. And um, I went home and told my mother and father, I didn't want to take that job. My mother was not okay with it, but my father was very much okay with it. 
because by that time I was making a thousand dollars a month cutting grass, and I and I consider that good money because I won't pay you no taxes on it. It was because people pay me cash to cut the grass. So it was from that experience, I believe, on the farm that kind of drove me and took me towards being in business. Now, I had no idea at that time I would ever run into an air wheels prime market type business. I didn't know how to be in business in a farmer's sense. I just knew how to go out and work and hustle, make doing some things. As I saw things in the community, I could pick up on them, but maybe I need to go sell some meat. And I would go to the slaughterhouse and I would buy some meat and I would bring it back to the neighborhood in the truck of my car. And, you know, I was selling like it was hot. I mean, people like to buy hot stuff. It won't hot now because I had a receipt for it. And uh, I said, okay, y'all need to get the meat now because it's going to be gone soon. And so I could, I could always talk. And so from that, from that experience, I think those little simple kind of things was the formation of me ultimately recognizing and having an opportunity to take advantage of an A.O. Williams slash Primerica when I had an opportunity to run into it. I think with all that preparation through the farm and through my father and, and, and during that time, you spent a lot of time with your father because in fact, when you got off the bus in the evening time, the rest of the evening, you were with your father. So you were learning things, you were hearing him say things, you were seeing him do things. And as a kid growing up, you said, my father going to work me to death out here. But in essence, I used to say, if I ever leave, I ain't never coming back. But that wasn't true. I mean, I, w I was always glad to go back to see my parents and, 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 and father and everything. So I think that's kind of where it got started in. That was kind of the root of it. Yeah, and the thing is, and you met him. Uh, most of the people who know me know that my uh, cousin, H. Uh, Edward Roberts, was the, uh, the uh, inventor. Uh, of the personal computer before Apple, before, you know, and that that Bill Gates and Microsoft and Paul Allen got started, 19-year-olds working for him, doing the software for him in Albuquerque. There's a museum there and uh, the Science and Technology Museum. Paul Allen donated it and, uh, you know, he's in all the books, H. Edward Roberts as the inventor of the personal computer. And he would say things uh, that I didn't necessarily understand at the time, but, you know, I've always, you know, when you and I have talked, what you didn't know, John, you were growing up with an advantage, and what he was, it relates to what Edward told me, and he said that he, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to run a business, you've got to learn or be able to live with a large degree of ambiguity, and that is, uh, you don't really know where the future is going to be. You're gonna, you're just gonna have to have a lot of uncertainty in your life and have a confidence about yourself and your abilities that you can find answers. You know, you don't know all the answers, but you know enough to where you can launch out and you can make the next step. But what happened? You know, most there, I'd say most people they want what they call security. And the trouble with security is nobody can give you security in life because nobody knows the future. Nobody can protect. Nobody can predict when the stock market's going to cave. Nobody can predict. You know. You know. You and I've lived through oil embargoes where the the world tumbled, and, and assassinations where the world tumbles, and now we've got a coronavirus where the world's tumbling. You know, and that's affected everything. And uh, you know. Uh, right now, we got people worried about their paychecks. They've got this. They, they wanted security, 
but but how can you have security where you know even huge government buildings nobody can go to work and uh, as far as security in life if you want other people to provide it for you you know that you, you you pay a price and uh, uh, you know most that's the way the world works I mean most of us have been employees and most even CEOs are employees but even if you're you work for yourself, you have to make your own security. You have to save money. You know, you have to be wise with the paycheck that comes in. And you don't, the main thing is not to be, you know, uh, work for someone else. But if you do work for someone else and you're on a salary, don't think that you've got a secure life, okay? Life, Life is in too much uncertainty. And uh, you've got to think for yourself. You've got to look out for yourself. You, you know, you're going to be better. The more skills you can develop, the more you've got the opportunity to move up, make yourself more valuable where you work. And for some of us, if you've got that spirit, you, built, you get a business of your own. But, you know, as far, you know, this, these things you're talking about, you don't have to just be an entrepreneur for them to pay off. You don't have to be have your own business. I mean, even if you're employed by somebody else, being creative, looking for opportunities to move ahead, always be thinking and evaluating the situation to improve your personal life because it has it it's has more to do than just with money. You know, it's like relationships, how you use your time. How can you get more out of the time you invest in one project or another to improve value in your life, return in your life, profit in your life, qua- improve the quality of life for yourself, your kid. You know, it's but Learning to live with a large degree of ambiguity is a skill that you kind of grew up with and learned from your dad. It's like, uh, I don't necessarily have to have a job. I can go out there and uh, work for myself because you're probably kind of, you know, it, it takes a certain kind of mental discipline to work for someone else and some of us just don't have that, John. You know, that's kind of a disadvantage we have. We we really don't like working for other people. You know, I remember saying to myself, I'll do anything I, whatever it takes, I am not going to work for someone else. You know, I'm, I'm going to be my own boss. You know, freed, my personal freedom just meant that much to me. You know, and of course, I had four years of starving to death, uh, with uh, uh, putting my family through some tough times because of it. But, uh, you know, for me, there was no other way. And for you, you're at college. You really had no other. uh, You really didn't have an option, did you? I mean, there was just no chance of you going to just get a job and settle for what uh, the company uh, companies were offering you at that time. Is that is that fair statement? Larry, I think that's a very fair statement. And also as a part of the time in those formative years when I was experiencing those things, it was sort of like part of the time I was sort of conflicted, conflicted from the point of view, should I get a job? Then I didn't want a job. Should I get a job? Then I didn't want a job. But it was always something in the back of my mind that would give me the confidence to go try something one more time. I remember one time I was selling, this before they even became popular, 
I was selling microwaves. I mean, they had this big old huge microwave, you couldn't hardly carry it around in your car. And uh, that was before microwave was even famous. And I was out there trying to sell them. I don't think I ever even sold one. But I was trying to, I was attempting to sell them. <laughs> and, uh, but what caused me to do that? I mean, I, you know, I, it's like I was always looking for something. But then I was also conflicted because of, it's like I grew up in a split personality type house. My mother was traditional. She taught school. My father was a farmer, and he just made money. And uh, he used to call my mother's money. She made tea to play money because he always kept something going that he made money. And uh, he never had a lot of debt. He didn't believe in a bunch of debt and everything. And so I was sort of conflicted. It took me a while to get out of the conflict to finally make a decision that I'm going to do something in the business world. If I sink, if I fail, if I don't fail, or whatever, I'm going to do something. And so I began to develop some confidence there for some reason to say, I didn't know what it was going to be 100%. I was searching, if you will. And this was before A.L. Williams, after college, and I was still searching. But, you know, finally, obviously we found A.L. Williams. But, you know, it, there was a period of time that I wasn't certain. And I was searching, and but I never would go get the job, though. I mean, I never would. For some reason, I never just could not bring myself to go get no job. And I could have. I think I could have qualified to get some job somewhere. Now, I did do some in and on type things to kind of make it, you know, like I short order cook late at night or something like that to bridge the gap. But I didn't call that no professional job. I just called it some making some money to bridge the gap so I could keep my business going, what, what I called a business at the time. So I do agree with what you're saying that, uh, you know, somewhere you get this stuff in you, and, and, and then sooner or later, it comes full circle because you find an entity or you find a group of people that really can uh, help bring it up totally out of you like happened with me with A.L. Williams. All right, John. Uh, this has been great. I appreciate you taking the time. And for me, it's been fantastic because I am I found out that you're, you know how to be a short-order cook. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway john i know this has helped a lot of people and uh you know you know the things you know the the things that i picked up from this is uh what you know starting right from the beginning you're talking about what your dad told you, it, you know, imprinted in your mind the importance of focusing on what really matters. The idea of focusing on seasons, you know, when the season's going to start, when the season's going to end, and realizing during the middle of that block of time, you got to get work done. And then the, the, the idea of you didn't just go to school maybe we can talk about it a little later you didn't just go to school to get a degree used it as an opportunity you came from eastern north carolina but you used school as an opportunity to begin to build a network of friends uh that uh has sustained you and uh you i know you've developed over the years i'd love to follow that up at some some point in the future but a lot of us don't do that, you know. We're like, well, we got to go here, we got to do this, but you know, every time you go to a new place, it's a chance to build and expand your network of friends and uh, advisors and mentors. And then your dad's story uh, about uh, you know having it in your mind: I got to make money, and if I'm going, whatever I'm going to do, I'm I'm making money. If I'm going to town, I'm gonna make money going. 
I'm going to make money when I'm there, and I'm going to make money when I'm because what I do is make money and keeping your eyes open for opportunities to make money and then overcoming your attitude you had. You know, some people look at it as a bad attitude about getting a job or this, that, the other, but you looked at that as instead of that, I'm going to do something better for me. And uh, then the other thing is having that confidence when things didn't work out. A lot of people say, well, I'm going to do something better for me. But then when things don't work out, they don't keep going. You know, sometimes you got to, you know, it's like the second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth or eighth time is when you make the breakthrough. You know, there's a lot of people in Hollywood we know as successful actors, but they may have start, started out as dancers. They may have started about dancing, then they added singing. And then they, uh, uh, you know, then they went from dancing and singing to where they did something else. And then eventually they wound up as actors. And most people don't know that they're like insanely good musicians with an incredibly good voice. But that's not what the world wanted out of. The world wanted to be an actor. Some of them start out as actors and they turn into musicians, you know. And uh, it's just you've got develop those skills and keep trying uh, and seeing where your success lies and where uh, you're allowed to do the things that you want to do. And for people, see, the fulfillment, <clears throat> what we're talking about is fulfillment and enjoying what you're doing. And for most people, it's not in the making money side of life. And that's why a lot of people do jobs and they do them insanely well, but their passions are outside of their job. You know, like they want to they sing or they want to be a musician or they want to paint. And, you know, the, the thing I would say to y'all is if be like John. If you want to paint, uh, find a place uh, you know, to paint and, ex and, and where you can display your art and you can show your art. And if you want to sing, you know, I was seeing, uh, you know, with this uh, with this virus where we're all locked in, the TV's on more than it should be. And uh, I saw something last night in a foreign language film and they were uh, – talking about this one of the characters a girl she wanted to be a singer she trained but it didn't work out you know and the thing is if you want to sing find a place to sing keep going keep looking if you want to play the guitar be a lead singer in a band keep looking you know if you want to be uh uh, uh you know whatever uh, you know, there are places out there. Look for things. Knock on doors. And, you know, the job is something you, you know, the job something you do to make money to fund your expense. And if you want to help people, a lot of people, a lot of people are, are motivated to help others. They work at the disadvantaged. They work with the handicapped. They work at the, uh, they, oh, they work with the uh, animal shelters. And they want to make a difference, you know, save the whales. And say, you know, they'll use their job situation to fund another passion. And, you know, if you've got a passion to help the dolphins, there's a way you can do that. So, but you got to have, like John said, have the confidence to keep trying again and every time you try other doors will open plus if you do like john and use each opportunity 
is a way to expand your network of friends and contacts and mentors. They'll have ideas for you to find those. You know, because the, the, the title of this, this uh, podcast is Million Dollar Mastermind. But what the intent is, how can you have the equivalent of elite success in whatever in the area of your passion is? You know, some people might see these cooking shows, John, on TV and say, man, I'd love to be on one of those shows, you know. And, well, fine, you know, keep going. Keep trying. You know, if cooking's your passion. Whatever your passion is, uh, find a way. Uh, you know, because there's a reason that 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 impulse is in you. You know, see people. Uh, you know, they love to swim. They like to be competition swimmers. You know, uh, I've got a friend who's got a gym in uh, uh, a golf community over there outside Reynolds Plantation, Georgia, uh, one of the elite golf destinations of the world. But he's got a gym there, and his passion is uh, uh, not bodybuilding, but heavy lifting. You know, like one time, you know, he lifted a thousand pounds, he reared 1,200 pounds. And now that he's older, he trains other people. He's got a stable in his gym, John. He's got a stable of 70 year old ladies who have never lifted weights before, and all seven of them are state and national champs. And they did that in a a six to 12 month period of time, you know, and, uh, you know, that's his passion. He was able to project over them and now he's going to, he doesn't compete anymore, but now he goes to all these competitions and he's got the champions. And so it's a way, (laughs) whatever your passion is, look for ways to, uh, let it out and, and, and to have that kind of big success in your life and so, John, thanks so much. It's been great. And uh, I'm looking forward to having you back again. Do you have a final comment on this that uh, 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 you want to add? Well, I think the thing that I would like to add is that a phrase that I come up with, or not I come up with, but something I go by a lot, and that is, what is it that really matters? That kind of has got me through a lot of situations that I've been involved in in my life, personally, and business. So just kind of key in on what specifically, what matters. I mean, what matters in terms of what is, what I have to get up and do, and where I'm going to put my energy and efforts on a given day. So I think I would just like to leave with what matters. What is it that really matters to you as an individual that you, like you said, want to put your energy and your thoughts and your uh, uh, efforts towards in order to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Like the gentleman you're talking about that got the latest in the uh, different situation. So what matters? That's All matter. right. All thanks right. so much, John. This has been great. And uh, you've been awfully kind to uh, take the time and share, share this with us. So thank you, John. Thanks for listening to this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind with me, Larry Wydell. If I've helped you in any way, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. For more information like this, listen to our other Million Dollar Mastermind episodes and check out my Wydell Academy YouTube channel and visit us on WydellOnWinning.com. I'm the Million Dollar Mastermind, and until next time, go, go, go.